Hey everyone, I want to let you know that support for today's episode comes from AL.com, Alabama's number one media site, covering in-depth news, special interest stories, college football, and everything there is to love about living in Alabama, accessible via desktop and mobile apps. Check them out at AL.com. Welcome to the Art Stories Podcast. So there I was, standing in front of a group of strangers attending a football game, being cursed out about Doritos. A minute or two later, Taylor Swift comes out and she like smiles that all-American Nashville smile and she she introduces herself, she shakes my hand, hey I'm Taylor, hey I'm the groom. We're bringing you true personal stories told in the Southern tradition and recorded in front of a live audience. I caught just enough of the video to see a very large man making this slow walk toward a van, wearing absolutely nothing but his underwear and coated in grease. And I'm going to stop right there, and the rest of it is history. I'm your host, Chris Kinsley. The holidays can be a magical season. However, our holiday celebrations also normally involve a lot of plans, and those plans often bring along with them a great deal of pressure. Sometimes that pressure becomes so great that our plans actually crumble apart underneath the weight. No matter how catastrophic that might appear to be in the moment, if we're lucky, we can at least take solace in hoping that one day we'll be able to look back and find the humor in the situation. Well, today we're featuring two storytellers who have managed to do just that. They both have holidays that are almost ruined, but their catastrophes are of their own making because of decisions they, in hindsight, might have made differently. Before we get to it, though, a brief warning for parents. There are certain holiday secrets that many of us hold very near and dear, and they help protect the magic of this season and Christmas in particular. Well, today's stories reveal some of those secrets, and because of the nature of these stories, there's also a small amount of adult language. So if you have some people around you'd rather not hear that quite yet, you may want to listen to this episode with headphones or save it for later. I'll give you all just a moment. All right, here we go. Our first story is from a storyteller we featured just a couple of episodes ago, but this one is too good not to include. It was recorded at our annual December Arc Stories event from last year, where our theme was Tis the Season, Stories About the Holidays. Here's storyteller Aaron Moon. So when you get married, you have to compromise. And um, one of the compromises that you make when you get married is you have to split your holidays. This is very painful. And, um, but it's fine. It's especially fine before you have children. Um, Because when you have children and you have to split holidays, you become the victim of a little bit of, uh, shall we call it, healthy guilt and um, maybe disdain, just a tiny bit, just like a tiny bit, that you would dare to take a grandchild away from a grandparent to celebrate the beautiful season of Christmas. 
So um, my oldest daughter, on her first Christmas, I hatched a plan. One, because I am a people pleaser and I desperately desire love and affection. And also because I wanted my daughter to experience her first Christmas with her entire family. Well, this was difficult because I'm originally from Texas. And the, the way you get from Birmingham to Texas takes about 14 hours, 13 if you hustle. And um, so I hatched this plan that um, my young infant, my five-month-old infant, would get to spend Christmas with both sides of her family. Um, the plan looked like this. I would pack up my family. We would drive uh, through the night from uh, Birmingham to Canyon, Texas, which is where I'm from. And the way we go is we go up to Memphis, across Arkansas, across the horror that is Oklahoma, and you land in the panhandle of Texas, smack in the middle of the panhandle of Texas, which is where I'm from. So it's easier than going through Dallas, and who cares? You don't care about that. So we, we pack up. We decided to go at 6 o'clock at night, and we would get there by, like, 8 in the morning, and we could sleep, and the grandparents could play with the baby, and we would have all of these beautiful Christmas memories, and we would go to the Christmas Eve service at my home church, and it would just be beautiful, and all that happened, and it was amazing, and, like, I got to watch my my daughter be held by my grandfather during the Christmas Eve service by candlelight, and it was just so moving. And then like we walked outside, it was just lightly snowing. And I was like, this was worth it. This was so worth it. And the plan was after the Christmas Eve service, we were going to pack it up and we were going to start driving through the night so that we would get to Birmingham on Christmas morning and everybody wins. <clears throat> So we did that. So what happened is um, we got home, and the snow is slightly falling, and my dad flips on the TV, and it's become apparent that, like, something's a brewing. And it's a weather kind of situation. Like, it, we're raising our eyebrows a little bit. There's a lot of blue and white on the TV. And you all are familiar with the weather system, so you understand that this means that there's a lot of snow and a lot of ice, and maybe driving conditions aren't conducive to night driving 14 hours across the country with an infant. Um, but my husband was undeterred, and he was like, we're going to get home, it's going to be fine. And you know, you, you, my, my father, I could see it in his eyes. Like he wanted to tell my husband that this is a bad idea. And he was just like, he was physically holding it back. And it was like causing him a lot of pain. <laughs> my husband didn't notice, but I did. And I was like, oh, this is not great. So <clears throat> um, the, the, we're packing up the car and the situation on the TV is just getting dire. It's like, uh, Doppler Dave, who is our weather guy, he's telling us, don't, like, enjoy the snow from your home. Don't go on the roads. And we're packing up a car. And uh, finally, there's like an alert noise on the TV. And it's, we're shutting down Oklahoma. Do not leave. But my husband is undeterred. And he's like, that's okay. There's another way to get home. We'll just go through Texas. So we got in the car. And my father's just kind of not 
uh, maybe this is not a great idea. Nope, it's great. And I have come up with this idea. So I'm like, we've got to get home to get his other family because they're going to be mad if this is what happens. So um, we, we get in the car and we start driving and everything's really fine uh, for a little while. And um, <clears throat> we're driving and we're driving and we get to a, a town called Childress, Texas, which is about two hours away. And for some reason, we stop and we get gas and we don't know why. This is a Christmas miracle. And um, about 30 minutes outside of Childress, we encounter an absolute wall of red taillights. And if there's nothing else you can see except red taillights and snow still, it's falling a little heavier than it was earlier. And now we're starting to see some people trying to turn around in the median and they're getting stuck in the snowdrift. And so it's like, you know, it's 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. We fall asleep. We wake up. Oh, my gosh. Are we alive? Is the baby okay? It's freezing. We haven't moved. Oh, we haven't moved since 11 o'clock last night. Um, we're still in the same place we were. So the sun is starting to come up. And there, it's, it's like the, the median is littered with the bodies of people who have tried to turn around and it has proven to be a horrible mistake. And so we're like, well, we're not going to turn around. We're just going to stay because how long can this possibly take? And that was a horrible question to ask. Um, so I should, I should point out right now, um, and I can tell you this, but my husband suffers from um, shy bladder. And what this means is that if there's anyone else around, even a hint of anyone else around, it's not happening. And it's just not coming out. So like airports are not a great situation. It's very stressful. Um, <clears throat> but this is one of those instances. And like dudes are starting to get out of their cars and just go for it on the side of the road. Um, I, we see like kids that have just like, well, this is, I guess, our toilet now. So it's just starting to get really, it's a dire situation. So we're still not moving. It's, it's like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. We start moving again. And we move in for about um, uh, 30 seconds, and then we stop again. And so it's 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And at this point, like, Ben has started to, like, bang his head on the on the seat because he's got to pee so badly and he just like he can't like there's nowhere he can go and I have also uh, decided that I need to go to the restroom but I, I I mean I'm a lady so where am I gonna go I'm in front like in front of all of these people and people are starting to get out of their cars and like build snowmen on the side of the road um, like like rations are being shared and so Ben decides to get on Twitter, and this was like kind of in Twitter's infancy, and it was just like story after story after story of hellacious, like my grandmother ran out of her diabetes medicine, and she's, you know, I mean, all of the, like, uh, we've been stuck on 287 for uh, 24 hours, you know, just these horror stories, and we all have to pee, and at some point I look in the back, and I'm like, maybe I should just use one of the baby's diapers and, like, just go for it. I don't know. This is a really bad situation. So, like, we start moving again. 
like very slowly in start-stop situations, start-stop. It's 11 o'clock the next day, 12 o'clock the next day, and we're just not going anywhere, and we start to cry. There's just a lot of emotions, and Ben finally has had enough of this shit, and he gets out of the car, and he just starts walking, like onto someone's property, and he go, he walks into the horizon, and I don't know where he is. Like, he didn't say anything, he just left. And I was like, well, this is troubling. <sighs> like, 20 minutes later, I see, like, a speck. Like, tr and it's like, he's just like, it's like the glory of Moses is shining out of him. And he's just triumphantly returning, and he opens the car door, and he sits down, he's like, I peed for three minutes straight. <laughs> it was great. <clears throat> So we still have the issue of um, where I'm going to go to the bathroom. And so it's, it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We've now been on the road for, I don't know, we've been stuck in the same position for like 13 hours at this point. We are no for, like, we should be home by now. And we're just not uh, even close. <laughs> we're still in Texas. And um, so we finally get up to this kind of roadside, you know, one of the, the highway sponsored rest stops, which is not a great option in the first place, but it is like the zombie apocalypse has taken place here and women have forgotten who they are. <laughs> they have forgotten what they stand for. There's nothing ladylike about this place. It's just been destroyed. It's an abomination. It's truly an abomination. And so I'm stepping over what amounts to people just pooping on the floor? Well, I don't know why. I don't know why that was an option for them. It doesn't make any sense. It's like civilization unraveled. So I finally used the restroom and I'm just like so happy. Never been so happy. Like my children were born. I got married. It did not compare to the happiness that I felt at this moment. <clears throat> And so finally, after I use the restroom, we, we start to move and we're finally moving. And it's just, it legitimately looks like something from the Hunger Games. Like there's just people everywhere wandering around, starving, just in a daze. They hate their families now because they've been in the car with them for 14 hours in the same position. And so, but finally we start moving and the ice is, starts to melt because it's the next day. And... Um, we're driving and so we're feeling kind of triumphant at this point. And then we start, uh, we start to smell something. And we look in the back and it's that baby. <laughs> and that baby, if you're a parent, you know, you know what they do. She's, she's turned her pajamas into a wearable shit bag. <laughs> It's coming out of the sleeves. It's like pooling in the feet. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's blossoming out of the neck. And so we, like, there's no, we don't, like, there's nowhere to stop. She's screaming because you would too. So Ben decides, okay, so we're like, we got to come up with a plan. So he takes the baby, and he, we, we're outside. It's probably 10 degrees. And we, we're outside on the side of the road, and he just kind of starts peeling her like a banana. 
and he's peeling her and just like she is so she's still traumatized by this and she is she is just there's just like another layer on like it's like you have to peel her again because you got to get the the poop off of her so it's like a double a double peel and she's screaming it's freezing we're trying to get wipes and kind of get the situation like the the fabric of of time is rewritten with this dump like there's it's the worst possible moment she could do this and boy did she deliver I mean anyway so we finally get her done we leave I'm not proud of this but we left the bag of her pajamas on the side of the road I'm aware that that's not how you're supposed to live your life but it had been a long day we put her back into the car seat naked and we continue on the road. What was supposed to take uh, 14 hours took 38. Yeah, it sucked. Um, Really bad. Um, But the great part was we sure had a memorable first Christmas. Thank you. Aaron Moon is a creative director, author, screenwriter, and one of our story coaches at Arc Stories. You can keep up with her on Twitter at Aaron H. Moon. Our next storyteller almost ruins Christmas for himself when he ruins it for his own son. We'll see if he's able to bring things back from the brink in just a moment after this break. We all love stories. And if you're anything like me, then the stories you love the most are the ones that do much more than simply entertain you. They move you or inspire you or help you make sense of the world around you. And that's why I am so thankful for AL.com. They are so much more than a news site and always go well beyond a just the facts approach to the news of the day. Like us, the good people at AL.com are storytellers who help connect me to everything that's going on in my community, in my state, and even to what's going on around the world. Plus, as Alabama's number one media site, AL.com is the perfect platform to help you tell the story of your product or business. So engage with them today. They've made it so easy, their site is right there in their name. Simply visit AL.com. The holidays often involve gift giving, and if you feel like including ARC stories on your nice list this year, well, I have a suggestion for what you might get us, an iTunes review. It is the perfect way to let us know what you think and also helps other people find out about us so they can enjoy all of these great stories for themselves. It's a gift we actually want, but with which we stand no chance of shooting our eye out. So with that in mind, I want to say a special thank you to Noah Betts for your recent review. No, sir, you are amazing. Now, when our next storyteller was growing up, his Christmas celebrations were lacking one of the biggest ingredients of everyone else's. I'm talking about the jolly old elf himself. So he had some things to figure out when he began to celebrate Christmas with his own family. From our December 2014 event, where our theme was also Tis the Season, Stories About the Holidays, here's storyteller Al Elliott. I never knew Santa Claus. 
I mean, I, I was born in 1972, and um, my parents were dating in the 60s. They, they met at Miles College, and, and in the late 60s, it just wasn't a popular idea uh, for a white man to be sneaking in your house at night <laughs> in, amongst the African-American community at that time. Some things never change. But at any rate, we had Christmas, and, and, and we had like real Christmas, like, you know, the whole nativity scene. I, I, I remember, I, I have an older sister and a younger sister. Some of you may know my younger sister, Eunice Elliott. She actually does the traffic on Channel 13. Okay, so yeah, shout out to Eunice. Uh, so I don't know if she was Mary or my other sister was Mary. I know I was Joseph. I don't know playing the part of Jesus that year was baby alive. And so that was, that was fun. <laughs> That was, that was a good Christmas, but, but we actually grew up with Christmas, but I, I never knew Santa Claus, and it, it was weird because I would meet kids that did, and not heard of Santa Claus, like they had evidence, they'd done research, like exactly what I wrote on this list, I mailed it to the North Pole, I got it for Christmas, I left cookies, the cookies were eaten, the milk was gone, Santa is real, right? I, I saw him at the mall, I got pictures. <laughs> Right, so Santa was real, and um, I would have these conversations with, with my sisters, and we, we would kind of, you know, talk about how, you know, Santa's not real, and, and we took it upon ourselves to educate our friends about the reality that there is no Santa Claus. Well, needless to say, I would get in trouble for this at school, but I, I, I would really, like, try to just get them to think about it. I would ask them questions like, how long does it take you to get to your grandmother's house? And they'd say about an hour or whatever it was. And I would say, well, so Santa is going all over the world in one night? Like, it takes you an hour to get to Grimm. Like, he's got a really fast sleigh. How big is this sleigh? Everybody's presence in it. So we would just go on and on, and, and I actually had to just be told, you can't do that, Al. You can't take Christmas from your classmates. Well, that was fine. Well, time passed on in about third grade. My mom and dad got divorced, and, and my mom became a practicing Jehovah's Witness. Well, no more Christmas. So I never had Santa. But then Christmas was taken away, and it, it sounds like it gets sad there. But all that meant was when we got toys, we didn't have to wait to December. It was just like toys were on sale, we got a toy, we went home and played with it. Like, you know, bah humbug, right? So it was, it was, it was fun, it was cool, it was fine. Uh, but, but it made it kind of odd as I was growing up and becoming a young man and started to date, especially in college, I had no experience buying gifts for a girl, right? I, I had never done it. So I'm thinking I'll get a nice scarf. She's thinking she needs earrings. I don't know who's right, right? You know, like she's had more experience, so I guess we're getting earrings. Uh, but sometimes my gift giving uh, was a little off. I mean, I, I never forget one year I got her perfume and it was, uh, I don't know if y'all remember these perfumes, but they just smell like things that you like. So I got her like fresh laundry, right, as perfume. Well, I mean, she had to love me because eventually my gift giving got a little better and we ended up getting married. Well, as fate would have it, I married a woman that knew Santa Claus. Like, no, 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 no. Like really, really knew Santa Claus. She knew Santa Claus like so well, I actually found out that I had been pronouncing the holiday wrong. Like she, it's Christmas, it's not Christmas. Christmas is how she would say it, right? This is how real, this is Christmas, and it was special, and it was planning uh, how our tradition would go with our son, and I, I was a newlywed, and I didn't want to lose my marriage over Santa Gate, so we compromised. 
And the compromise was, as long as our son didn't ask me if there was a Santa Claus, the secret is safe, right? Uh, but, but I did take the liberty of uh, making up a few like fun songs. And like, uh, I think they're anti-Santa jingles, I guess you could classify them. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll perform one of them now for you. With something like this. Ain't no Santa Claus, ain't no Santa Claus, no, he don't exist. Ain't no Santa Claus, ain't no Santa, don't make no Christmas list. Flying reindeer magic elves help to set the tone. Either there's no Santa Claus or he has a million clones. Like, go to the mall, so So, thank you. CD's coming out, uh, anyway, I'm joking. So, um, I said, okay, he just can't ask me, so everything was fine. Um, she made up Santa, signed all the packages, we would hide him, and everything was fine. Well, when my son was about to turn four, our marriage didn't make it. I don't think it had anything to do with the anti-Santa jingles. <laughs> but we didn't make it. She ended up moving back to California. So now it's just me, my son, and Christmas, like Christmas has moved back to California, right? But I'm a man of my word. As long as my son doesn't ask me if there's a Santa Claus, secret's safe with me. So this went on for a while. I mean, even some years, my ex-wife would fly back into town, and it, the whole band was back together. It was me, my ex-wife, Santa, presents. Everything was, was um, wonderful, was cool, until my son was about seven years old. And my son came home from playing outside, uh, he came and he asked me, he said, Dad, um, do you believe in Santa Claus? I know what you're thinking. I can't wait to tell him. But as an adult, I've actually had things that I've believed in taken from me. And it hurts, like really, really bad. Like if you've ever believed in something and then you found out, hey, that just doesn't exist, that's a painful thing. And he's seven and I love him. So I really didn't want to crush this whole thing, right? So I did what any great parent would do. I stalled. And so I, I asked him, why do you ask? He said, well, I noticed that the older kids don't believe in Santa Claus, but the younger kids say that there is a Santa Claus. Very good. Well, this was about 2006, and the internet was a thing, and so, you know, I went on the internet and looked up Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, myths, fables, North Pole, what's there, what's not there. And just, you know, gave it to him straight, like, hey, yeah, it's a myth, it's all made up. Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> and uh, my son is there in tears, like he's crushed, he's crying. And I tried to console him the best I could. You know, I told him, I said, Anthony, listen, we've always told you that uh, telling the truth is what you're supposed to do. And I want you to know that if you come and ask me a question, I'm gonna always be honest with you. And so when you came and asked me that, you know, it was hard to do but I wanted to be honest with you and tell you the truth. And, and listen, it doesn't mean that Christmas is over. We'll still put up a tree. You'll still get packages. They'll be wrapped. Everything will be wonderful. I'll even still eat the cookies, right? <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's beautiful. And he looked at me, he said, I, I didn't ask you that. I said, yes, you did. You came into the house. He said, no, I asked you if you believed in Santa Claus, not if there was a Santa Claus. Ah. <laughs> So the moral to the story is actually two morals. The first moral to the story is, if you're a parent, be a good listener. That's the first thing. But the second thing, it, it kind of made me really think about 
what my Christmas tradition was. Like all this time, all I was trying to do was not lie to my son about Santa Claus. And now that's over, right? Uh, as human beings, we can't feel speed. We can feel changes in speed. We can feel acceleration and deceleration. But if you're on a plane going 500 miles an hour, you don't know it, right? Because there's no change in the speed. Well, traditions are basically patterns of normalcy. The importance of tradition is when everything is getting kind of crazy and squirrely, the way that we know is because we have something normal to compare it to. And that's kind of what Christmas and traditions are. And so my big takeaway from that moment is I realized that I had never planned anything for a Christmas tradition other than that. Everything else was just kind of happening. Um, there's a doctor, I said I was going to remember his name, her name, uh, Dr. Hartwell Walker. Yeah, she talked about the importance of tradition the same way, but she kind of put it like this way. Like when you wake up in the morning, let's say that you have breakfast and you exercise and you meditate and you go to work. Well, when a lot of crazy things are happening, that's how you know. If you don't have any order in your life, as crazy as everything else gets, you really don't know it. There is no change for you, right? So moving forward, I, I think now from now on, uh, I believe this. If, if you're going to celebrate Christmas, you should do it on purpose and with purpose. Merry Christmas. Al Elliott is a father and educator and currently works as a language arts teacher. Find him on Twitter at Elocation or visit his website, elocation.com. We would love to have you celebrate the holidays with us. And the perfect place to do that is at our next live event, which is coming up this Friday, December 9th. It's going to be at the Avon Theater in Birmingham, Alabama, and our theme will once again be Tis the Season, Stories About the Holidays. You can get your tickets right now at our website, arcstories.com. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Arc Stories podcast. I'm Chris Kinsley, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Chris Kinsley. Arc Stories is at all those places, too, at Arc Stories. This podcast is produced by me and Arc Stories director Taylor Robinson. Preston Lovingood composed our theme, and our ad music is from Ben Beany. Special thanks to Eric Chapman from Symmetric Sound for his audio expertise, as well as to Senia Etheridge and Jake Brantley for making this episode possible. Thanks also to this episode's sponsor, AL.com. Visit them at AL.com. And visit us too at ArcStories.com. There you can listen to other stories. You can stay up to date with all of our events and everything else we have going on. And you can even submit your own story to tell. After all, we are always asking, what's your story? <laughs>